talk today a little bit about the Parsha, of course, but um, also a little bit about the day. Today is the 12th day of the month. I mentioned in Shul, Janice yeah. was there, so she heard it, but we'll tell it to the other people yeah. who weren't there. And also talk a little bit about uh, a special quality that I believe is, is Mushkis, and this is going to be the class for, uh, for Zuchus and for thank you for Hashem for... Uh, his miracle and um, for his kindness to to her and to us and to and answering all the prayers of so many people. She brought together a lot of a lot a lot of people. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, but Mushki's work entails uh, uh, contact with. She works in the what's called the Sea uh, Kids. That's uh, that's uh, children all over the world, basically. Uh, under uh, writes curriculum for them. She writes. Uh, she does a lot of lot of lot of important work. Uh, she does a lot of lot of important work. So she's in contact with with hundreds of shluchim all over the uh, globe, and, uh, and she's very well respected. And uh, and she's. Uh, but I, I think that her main, you know, I say like when you read an ingredients on the uh, label, you want a label. So the first ingredient, what the first ingredient is, you know, if it's sugar, you know that <laughs> that it's sugar, you know, whatever is the first ingredient. So I think if you, uh, uh, her first ingredient, I think is that she's kind and accepting to everyone. That's her first ingredient, and uh, so we'll talk about it. But first, I just wanted to mention, you know, the parsha is Bahaloisha, and also to connect to today's day over there, we talk about the idea. Of Pesach Sheni, where today we're a little bit after Shavuos already, but uh, over there it talks about the story in the parish. It talks about the story that God has told them the year before when they were leaving Egypt in Egypt, actually, that they should make a uh, korban Pesach, that they should bring a Paschal sacrifice on the 14th of Nisan, and then they eat it at the Seder, uh, the 15th, the night of the 15th, and. In this parsha, it records the next year they went and they made the uh, Pesach offering, but there were some people who had uh, been uh, in contact with a corpse they were burying or they were dealing with a corpse, and that rendered them impure for the uh, Korban Pesach. So they came to uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, Loma Nigora, why should we lose out? And uh, basically they said, we are impure uh, because we had touched the corpse and we cannot bring the Corbin in time because of their impurity. Now, they say we're impure, so they sort of gave the reason, but the reason they were impure is because they were told by Moshe Rabbeinu to take care uh, this is according to various different commentaries in the Talmud, but uh, one of the commentaries is that they were taking care of the sons of Aaron who passed away, Nadav and Avihu, and they were therefore defiled, and it turned out that their seventh day from the purity was just before Pesach, and they could not make the Korban Pesach. So the idea over here is, so God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, he answers them, he says, that he's giving them a second chance. The chance is the month, the next month, uh, month after Pesach, which is called Pesach Sheni. It's the 14th day of year. They can bring the Korban then. Those who missed out can bring the Korban later on. Basically, what Hashem says, what Hashem gave them, it says that, you know, you always have a second chance. It's also very, um, we 
know, not only a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth chance. In other words, it's never too late. In other words, nobody can ever say that, you know, I missed the train, I missed the boat, and I can't, that's it. It can't, never too late. As long as you have a breath in you, you can always do the best you can under the circumstances. So that's the message of Pesach Sheni. Of, so today is the 12th day of the month of Sivan. You know there are three holidays, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Those are three holidays. The three holidays, uh, it says, Sholish Pamim Bashono, three times a year. There's an obligation for all the males to come and meet uh, and be seen by Hashem in the temple, in the holy temple. They have to go out over there, go to the temple, to the Beis Hamikdash, and three times a year. During the Matzus, Pesach, and during Shavuos, and during Sukkot, you had to. That's why we call it also Sholosh Regolim. Regolim means regular foot. Because they used to go up by foot. I mean, in the cars or wagons, they used to go up. If a person lived a distance that he couldn't make it by foot, then he wasn't obligated to go. But those who could make it by foot had to go up to uh, Yerushalayim to visit the Beis Hamikdash. Now, when you come up to the Beis Hamikdash, the verse says, My face should not be seen empty-handed, which means you got to bring a korban, you bring a sacrifice and the festivities at the time that you go to the temple. So everybody had to bring a korban when they came to the, to the temple. So, to the Beis HaMikdash. So now the question becomes, so you have Pesach has seven days. Now we're talking about the Torah. From the Torah, Pesach has seven days. Sukkot has eight days. Oh, but actually the festival of Sukkot also has seven days. The eighth day is Shemini Atzeres. That's a holiday by itself. But there's seven and seven. So, what happens, people that did not bring their korban that they were supposed to bring on the first day, they bring it on the second day. They didn't bring it on the second, they bring it on the third. They have seven days to bring the korban. Both by Pesach and by Shavuos, they have, by and by Sukkot, they have seven days. But what do we do about the festival of Shavuos? Shavuos is only one day. What do we do? So the Talmud learns out from the verses, since the Torah equates them, that you have seven days to make up. So that there's seven days to make up also, by Shavuos, you have seven days to make up. So, since Shavuos comes out now by the calendar, by the sixth day of the month, so you have another seven, you have another sixth day, including that day. So the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. So t- today, you finish the time from the bringing of the Korban. So, today's day is the last day which is still associated with the festival of Shavuos, because on Shavuos, if you didn't bring the Korban, you can still bring it today. So that's also a makeup that you can make up for the Korban that you didn't bring before, but it's unique also in the sense that it's not even a holiday anymore, it's just a regular day, you know, it's a regular day, it's no, unlike Pesach and, 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 and Sukkot, which when you bring the Korban, it's still Pesach, it's still seven days, it's a festival, today is just a regular weekday, and the way it uh, manifests itself by us, the way we see it, is the fact we don't say Tachanon. Those are the special prayers that you say on regular days. We don't say during festivals. So this is still considered 
to a certain extent the festival in which we don't say the Tachanon. That's why through the 12th we didn't say Tachanon. So that, 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 that makes this day special. So today is the final few moments that we're holding on to the uh, festival of Shavuos. It's, it's interesting that um, uh, it's really a period starting from Rosh Chodesh, the first day of the month of Sivan, through the 12th day of the month, is like one chunk. We don't say Tachanon in none of these days. On the first day of Sivan, the Jewish people camped on the, um, on the Mount Sinai. That's when they came to the desert of Sinai, and they camped in front of the Mount Sinai. And they were preparing for the five days until the sixth day. They came the first day, and then on the second day, Hashem told them, as we've been reading the, the various different things, to prepare them the three days of limitation, eventually they received the Torah on the sixth day. There's two opinions in the Talmud, but that's a whole other discussion. But just for our sake, there's a chunk. We don't say Tachanon starting from Rosh Chodesh all the way through the 12th. That's considered that period. Can you explain a little more what's in the Tachanon or, you know, what? Well, so the Tachanon, when you say Hashamru, Bogadno, okay. you know, those are, those are considered to be. Uh, more like sad or more uh, on a holiday we don't really when we have a special day uh, we don't want to make ourselves sad we try to be a little bit more festive so we don't want to recall our sins or ask we want to be more in a better mood basically uh, uh, festive mood would mean uh, you know uh, so uh, Tachanan is said every day at Min- Mincha is it? Shachris and Mincha and you know and, the, and it's, so you're, you're in the sitter if you follow the sitter you'll see it you're yeah? asking for f- forgiveness in the Tachanan yeah. but not on Shabbos Probably don't do it okay. because and it's a and holiday. You put your head down. You, you Some of it, one of them, that's called nefila sapaim. That's within the tachanon prayer. Yeah, but before that, there is also some of the prayer there. So you're always mainly like we say al chait or ashamnu, like we do in Yom Kippur. Uh-huh. We do those are confessions and 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 uh, and the, 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 you know when a person is uh, uh, confessing, you know they're supposed to feel remorse and regret, which is not. On Shabbos and Yom Tov, on a holiday, you don't want to feel, you know, bad. You want to feel uplifted. So we don't do it on that one, you know? I find it interesting that Pesach allows a whole month to go by, or three weeks after the seven days, for another opportunity. Pesach Sheini, but not Sokas or uh, Shavuos. A very interesting point. I actually looked a, at a talk of the Rebbe, trying to explain that, um... Why couldn't they make it um, like like those who who didn't um, who couldn't bring the carbon? Why couldn't they make it in the next? Why didn't they make it? They were only they they could have they, they just missed out the last day. So why does the carbon Pesach have to wait till the next month versus doing it like the next two days? I mean, just like the other carbonos, which they could make up the holiday carbonos. Why carbon Pesach? wait to the next month. The Rebbe ties it in, it's interesting, it's a whole discussion, the Rebbe ties this in with the month of Nisan and the month of Iyar, the month, uh, what the different services is, he bases it on the Tzamach Tzedek, on the third Lubavitch Rebbe's, on as a talk that he gave, that on um, Nisan is the level in which we sort of ran away. Uh, and a person's life um, uh, when there's two steps. Uh, one step, uh, 
you know, you have to run away from. If there's something negative, uh, you can't you can't deal with it at all. So you cannot uh, sort of confront it or transform it. You can't. You have to sort of run like the Jews ran from Egypt because it was. If they stayed there, they, they weren't able to deal with it yet. Uh, the month of Eir is considered already when you're working things through already. You've run because that's why we count the Svirat Omer and we, we uh, purify ourselves. We become, it's, it's already a level that we work things through. And, uh, and then on Shavuos, actually, we have, that's why we have Chometz on Shavuos and on on, 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 on Pesach we have to eat matzah because matzah represents humility so he ties it in um, that the uh, Pesach Sheni is connected the second one is connected to the second step one would be called Sur Meirah, staying away from bad you know, just running the other one would be Ishapka to changing yourself around so it belongs more in the, that month that's the relationship that's what we said about but according to the Kabbalah that works out that really has a, long, a lengthy explanation but as far as I wanted to bring out, I find this chunk of Rosh Chodesh through the 12th to be like one chunk in, you know, in, in, in our situation. Mushki um, uh, fell, was on Rosh Chodesh. She was the Rosh Chodesh Sivan. And today, you know, I mean, she, she did come home. Uh, uh, she came home on Sunday. She actually came home. But uh, so Sunday she was still in the hospital. So but today I feel is like sort of the almost the closure over there. They uh, you know she's done so. Uh, I wanted to uh, you know this is like one chunk you know that this from starting with Chodesh. Now we're going back into the regular thing. We're going back to the Tachanon. We're going back to the uh, the other thing. So I wanted to, to talk a little bit uh, about um, a, you know just an idea. You know I said that. Uh, uh, one of the things about um, we we know we always say You know what that means? Always greet, accept everybody with a smiling countenance. Right? Now, it struck me a little bit when we we learned this Mishnah this week on Shabbos. We learned Pirkei so we learned this Mishnah. But it struck me something bothered me with this Mishnah because I looked who's the author of this Mishnah. Who's the author of this Mishnah? You know, sometimes you want to see who's the one that says the Mishnah. And, you know, the, the way the first chapter is organized, the first chapter of Perkovas is organized, it has like a peer, Rabbi's peer, and, um, and these peer received from that peer, it's sort of the oral tradition, how it tra- was transmitted from one, from these two Rabbis to the next two Rabbis to the next two Rabbis. So who were the two Rabbis that, uh, we're talking about in this particular uh, Mishnah, you're talking about Hillel and Shammai. You know, we all know, I mean, it's sort of uh, taken that Hillel was this kind, one that reached out and the one that was accepting, and Shammai was the strict one. He was sort of the uh, very, uh, you know, he was more harsh than. Uh, uh, and I was sort of surprised when I looked at this statement. Who is the one that says, go and receive everybody with a smiling countenance? It was actually Shammai. It wasn't Hillel that said that. It almost sounded like, well, this is all either, is it a retraction of Shammai? Or is, 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 is the Mishnah trying to say that, you know what, even though Shammai was strict, but he was still accepting? I mean, what, what, what is the message over here? And, you know, I was more surprised when I was actually looking at the, generally, without going in deeply, looking at the various different statements. 
Hillel's statements seem to be on the harsh side. <laughs> and Shammai is the one that is giving... Well, the first statement that Hillel says, okay. So the first statement that they quoted, each one gave three statements. So, by the way, so the statements of, 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 of Hillel take up three Mishnas. Each of his statements, they are sort of lengthy statements. So there's like three. But there's lengthy statements, so they take up three Mishnas. And Shammai takes up just like very few, three statements in, 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 in two lines, in one line, in a line and a half, two, three statements. And I said, well, that fits with what uh, Shammai said. He says, say a little and do a lot. So <laughs> say a little. So he was sort of saying, you know, let's put it in just a few lines. But then I looked at the general statements and I saw, so what does Hillel say? So Hillel basically starts off by saying, okay, he says, you should be of the students of Aaron, uh, love peace, uh, seek peace, uh, go after peace, and bring the people close to Torah. Okay, that's a very uh, reaching out statement. But the next two statements that he has are pretty, you know, uh, he says if you don't study Torah, if you don't do this, you know, you're, you, 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 you're, 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 you're causing yourself death, you know, differently. It's a pretty, you know, strong statements. They weren't like uh, nice, nice, uh, nice, it was, you know, strong statements. And then, you know, and then he says, you know, about you, you know, take care of yourself, you know, it's, it's pretty much, and in Shammai, on the other hand, you know, he says, you know, make your Torah permanent, say a little and do a lot, and then he says, accept everybody with a good confidence. So I say, hey, how come Hillel didn't say that statement? It almost seems like it's more a statement for Hillel than it's for Shammai. I was thinking, why is this, why did Shammai say this? It was, it was bothering me. And then, you know, the story, I will tell you the story of the Talmud. The Talmud has an interesting story in the, in the tractate uh, Shabbos, in uh, page 31a over there. Uh, the Gemara relates that there were two people, they, you know, people's pastime in the olden days, they used to be, they used to make, they used to make a, a bet, they used to wager and say, so they had a wager between two people, who is going to get Hillel angry? Who's going to, and they bet it, 400 dinarim, that's a large amount of money, if you can get Hillel angry. Someone says, I'm going to get him angry. He made a bet on 400 dinarim that he's going to get Hillel angry. So what did he do? So this was Friday afternoon, and Hillel went into the uh, bath or whatever to, to wash his head. It says, He goes into the bath his head, and this guy who made the bet is coming around and is saying, who is here, Hillel? Who is in a disrespectful way? Shabbos uh, talking in a, in a, in a very uh, disrespectful way, and Hillel was apparently was undressed and it was uh, so he dressed himself up and he gets up and you know somebody's asking him Friday afternoon a uh, question. He says, um, he says, oh, I'm, what, what, what can I do for you, my son? What can I do for you? He's very polite, very gentle. Oh, he says, I have a, a question, you know, can I ask you a question? He says, of course, please, ask me a question. He says, oh, he says, my question is, is how come the heads of these people are round? Why are they round, you know, or galgalas, whatever it is. That's some, some just weird question, <laughs> which, although I'm no, and he's trying to get hello angry, you know, why are you bothering me with such silly questions that are Shabbos and everything else? And Hillel answered very patiently, he said, My son, you've asked a brilliant question, a good question you asked. Which also teaches us, by the way, 
Never tell a student or somebody ask you a question. Never tell them, you know, your, your question is, you see, even in this case, he says to him, you've asked a very good question. And he says to them, because their midwives don't know how to handle fast when they take notes, so somehow gave him a reason. Okay, he goes back into the house. A few minutes later, he's back. Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, who around here is Hillel again? Okay, he's trying to get him angry. So he gets out again. He dresses himself up again, comes out. He says, I have a question. Ask, please, go ahead. Oh, he says, what's your question? He says, how come, he says, the eyes of this other nation, how come they're, you know, uh, Why, you know, another, another, you know, silly question. Just trying to annoy, <laughs> annoy with all kinds of questions, you know. He's, uh, they call this a nudnik, you know. Like, you know, like the story, the joke they say about what's the difference between the Shlumiel and the Shlemazel and the Nudnik. Know what a Shlumiel is? Shlumiel is somebody who is not careful and yeah. pours Clutch. the ball, a klutz, who pours the ball of soup out. Yeah. And the Shlemazel is the one that gets it on his pants. <laughs> this is the Shlemazel. And what's the Nudnik? The Nudnik wants to know what kind of soup it was. <laughs> you know, this guy was a real a classical Nudnik, you know. He was dry, trying to drive Hillel, Hillel, but Hill always says, you know why? He says, because they live in the sandy area, and because of the sand, their eyes have to be like that. So he answered him. He leaves him and goes back. A few minutes later, the guy is back again. <laughs> who can Hill? Who can Hill? Yeah, he comes, comes down again. Now, you would think that Hillel would lose it by this point. No, it goes by, it wraps it up, comes down very patiently. He says, what can I do for you, my son? What is there I can do you? He says, I have a question. Uh, and he says, yeah, ask, please, what is your question? How come the feet of the African, the Africans are white? Uh, so he says, because they live in swamps. He says, yeah, he asked you a good question. You asked again, tells them all. You asked a great question, journal because they're swamped. So he says, so then after he answered them, he says, um, you know, he says, I have a lot of questions to ask, really. <laughs> I have a lot more questions to ask, but I'm afraid to ask because I don't want you to get angry with me. He says, no, no, don't worry. Any question you have, please ask me. So finally he says, he says, are you Hillel? He says, then there should be no more like you. So Hillel says, why do you say that? Why, why, why do you say that? He says, it's because of you, I just lost 400. <laughs> I lost 400 zoos I lost because of you. So Hillel said to him, be patient in your anger, he says. Hillel is worth that you lose 400 zoos and another 400 zoos. But he says, but Hillel will not get angry. He says, he will not get angry. He says, don't, you know, Hillel does not get angry. So, so when you look at that story, when you look at that story in the Gemara, you know, it really seems that Hillel went way overboard. Way overboard. Okay? It's in the, then the Gemara goes on a further story. The Gemara goes on and tells us a further story that there was a guy, this is some of, some of the stories known, but they'll tell you the story. So there was a, a non-Jew who comes to Shammai. Shammai was the rabbi over there, he comes to Shammai, he says, Shammai, he says, how many Torahs do you have? How many Torahs do you have? 
Somebody says, we have two Torahs. We have the written Torah and we have the oral Torah. Torah Shebiksav and the Torah Shebalpeh. So the, 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 the Nochri, the Nanju says to him, I believe you about the written Torah. I don't believe you the Torah Shebalpeh. I don't believe you. It's not uh, I want you to convert me. Just in the... the Shammai got annoyed with him, and he said, you know, he yelled at him, and he threw him out of the, you know, he threw him out. Was that Mekabel Kolodim Besever Ponem Yafot? What does that look like? Was he? Shammai says, Mekabel Kolodim Besever Ponem Yafot. What is he going to do? Threw him out. Okay, so he goes to Hillel. (laughs) Comes to Hillel. Um, He says, um, I want you to uh, convert me, but I only want to study the written Torah. I don't want to study the oral Torah. He accepted him. And Rashi over there has a problem. How could he accept him just for the... I mean, if a, if a convert should want to convert and not accept even one halacha, we can't accept him. How could you accept him? And Rashi explained that he relied that he was able to teach him later on. And, he, and which he did. So he... Um, Eventually he came there, and um, uh, so he says the the, um, the first day he taught him Aleph, Base, Gimel, Dalit. Taught him the Aleph Base, and the next day he switched it around. He told him the Aleph was a Dalit, the Base was a Gimel. He mixed it up. So he says, but you told me yesterday something different. You showed me the Aleph had a different. How did you change it around? So he says, ah, so you're taking my word for it. So take my word for the Torah Shabbat Peh, for the oral Torah as well. If you trust me, trust me all the ways. Okay. He was, he converted him. Anyway. Clever. Next story. Uh, this guy comes into, another, 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 another guy, he comes into uh, Shammai. He says, that this is a very famous story. He says, I want you to convert me while I'm standing on one foot. Yes, Teach me the whole Torah. While well, I'm standing on one foot. Now, you can imagine, here Shammai is sitting and studying with his students all day and night, the Torah, and this guy comes in, he basically, he's mocking him, basically he's saying that what, you know, the whole Torah you're studying, you know, is... So Shammai takes the stick from the building over there and throws him out of the base measures. Is that what Kabel is called on the him your faults? You know what he's saying? Where is it? it doesn't seem like Kabel, no, no. He goes to Hillel. Comes to Hillel... Hillel says to him, uh, you know what? Hillel says, uh, I'll teach you the whole Torah. He says, What is hateful to you, don't do to your friend. This is the whole Torah. Which means this is the base of the Torah. And the rest is the commentary, go and study. And he converted him. And he converted and accepted it. Now here too, you have to understand um, that... Um, Al Rebbe explains in the Tanya how is this the whole Torah, but that's a whole other, another, another. We're not going to go into the, to, to the how how this explains. But come here. Then there's a third a third guy comes in. He was happened to walk by the shul and he heard how they were studying about the beautiful garments that the Kohen Gadol was wearing, the choshen, the ephod, and the breastplate and the apron and all the beautiful stuff. He says, ah. I like this, sounds good. Who gets to wear that? He told him, he asked the Bishmedrish, who gets to wear these beautiful garments? The Kohen Gadol. 
He says, huh? I'm going to convert so that I'll make me for a Kohen Godel. Okay, so he goes to Shammai. He says, convert me so I can get become a Kohen Godel. So Shammai takes the stick again, throws him out. Okay, so he goes to Hillel. He comes to Hillel. And he says, convert me, I make me a Kohen Godel. Hillel says, okay, fine, I convert him. But he says, listen, you want to be a Kohen Godel? He says, if a king, somebody's appoints a king, you got to learn the game, the war, the game of war. You know, I have to know. If you want to be a Kohen Godel, you got to learn, you got to know something. Go study. So he's studying. So he comes to a verse in which it says that Azar Hakorev Yumas, a stranger, a non-Kohen, who enters into the temple, should be put to death. So he asked uh, Shammai, he asked Hillel, the rabbi, he asked, who is it talking about? So he says, even David, the king of Israel, if he should go into the temple, it applies to him as well. So the guy says, uh, the, 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 the convert says, look, uh, these are children of Hashem, they were born Jewish, and uh, Hashem had them close, calls them loves them and everything else, and still, they're not allowed to go into the temple. I just came in here with my pack and my stick, and, they, and I should go into the temple. So he goes to back to Shama. He says, "What do you? Can I then uh, go into um, to the temple? I mean, how? how That's not possible." And he goes to Hillel. He says, "You know, uh, I don't want to go to the temple because it's not not my place." And the Gemara says that at one point, these three and not, not Jews, the Nokrim, they came to one place. And they said that the humility, the strictness of Shammai almost uh, pushed us away from, from Judaism. But it was the humility and the reaching out of Hillel that brought us in. So, how does this fit with the Mishnah that we're learning in the Pirkei Avos? It says, Shammai Omer, that what does Shammai say? Have mekabel as kol adam b'sever ponim yofos? Is this a, is this the ponim yofos? Doesn't seem like a ponim yofos. But one thing strange, which 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 when you think about it, about this story, how come all these nochrim? Why did they all come to Shammai first? How come you know in all these three stories? First they come to Shammai. Shammai chases them away, and then they come to Hillel. Why didn't they come to Hillel in the first place? Why did they go to, why did they go to Shammai after, why did they go to Hillel only after, they, after Shammai chased them away? And then you have to also think, why does the uh, Talmud, uh, Talmud's trying to tell us that Shammai was not a good person, that he was like a bad, you know, that he didn't treat them rightly? Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> and another thing is, that there's another clue here, this story comes after the first story we read about Hillel, about the wager, about how he, how we see it's actually what Hillel did was beyond the letter of the law. Not only beyond, beyond any expectation. Because what happened over there in that case? The other guy was going to make money on the account. He wasn't serious. He didn't ask. He was only trying to get... He was only trying to annoy Hillel. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get Hillel angry. He had no real questions. He had no real desire. He was going to make some money. And he wanted to do it on the cheshben, on the account of, of Hillel. That's what he wanted to do. He wasn't serious at all. The Gemara brings down that story first to tell you that actually Hillel was an exception. It was sort of 
beyond there's nothing negative about nothing negative about uh, Shammai but rather sort of an exceptional behavior which is not expected from anybody and you know by all rights you know Hill should have said that you're not serious and you know you're just trying to to wage a winner winner bet over there you're coming here just on Erev Shabbos to, 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 to disrupt my peace that's not the right thing to do so Hillel was Hillel was the one that was the total, total exception. And that, but that doesn't reflect anything bad on Shabbat. On the contrary, it seems very much that the reason they all came to Shammai is because Shammai had a reputation that he did accept people, that he was. Shammai said, Have called me office. Now, I just want to put pray your attention also to the word. What does the word mekabel mean? But it's not now, just to greet, Mechabel is almost like Kabbalat Shabbat, right? Le Shabbat Nekabla, Kabbalat Panim. You greet, you greet the Kala, you greet the greeting. Now, like, there's a statement that says, there's a statement that says, we say, like, there's a statement that says, it's greater Hachnasat Orchim, Gdolom, greater than Kabbalat Pnei Hashchina, than receiving the Divine. So, see, there's a change in language over here. By the Orchim, it says, Hachnasat Orchim. Why? Because a guest you can bring in. You bring him to your house, you bring him to your heart, you bring him in, you can bring them in. The Shekhinah, the Divine, we can, Kabel, Kabbalat, we cannot really bring it in because it always remains aloof because the Divine is higher than the person to be able to really bring in. The word Mekabel means... What, what Bishamai was saying here is, he says, and also there's another word because it says, It doesn't say, What is sever? Sever means svara, with a good thought. Actually, what Shammai was selling to here, here Shammai had a reputation that he accepts everybody, greets everybody very kindly, but that was his first. But if he came about and the person showed his true colors that he was only there to uh, for his own selfish reasons and that he was there just to cause trouble and he was just there to get angry or to expect to teach him the Torah for ulterior motives to convert for various reasons that wasn't part of what Shammai stood for he was Makabel. yes he accepted him he greeted him but then the person had to be honest, and so then we have to get down to business, which means you can't just be nice, 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 and then allow for the other person to abuse that privilege. That's why he said, Mechabel, the Savior, put him your foot. What did he say? So that's why I think there's something very interesting over here. I say, the, the Gemara tells what happened over here. First, they came to Shammai, and Shammai actually kicked them out, which prepared these people to later on go to Hillel, which means they couldn't go to Hillel in the first place. I'll tell you a story about the Rebbe Rashab, the third, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, and we talked about it the, the morning, yesterday morning, two, uh, I think two days ago, uh, we talked about it also, um, that it was a story one time that a person came into the Rebbe and he had a problem, a spiritual problem, a physical problem, not sure what problem, and he comes out of the room and he's totally sobbing uncontrollably. He's totally broken. Crying, crying, crying. The Rebbe had a brother, the Razo, who was his older brother, but he wasn't the Rebbe. The younger brother was the Rebbe. And 
the Razor sees this young, this poor guy, he's sobbing uncontrollably, and uh, he's beside himself, he doesn't know what to do. So he asked him, what's going on? You know, what's, what's, what are you? He says, I went in for Yechidus, I went in for a meeting with the Rebbe, and I told him my problem, and the Rebbe said, I can't help you. Can you imagine? The Rebbe said, I can't help me. And the guy is totally, totally broken. So the Razor, the Rebbe's brother, goes into his Rebbe, and he says to his brother, he says, where did you learn such kind of a behavior? A person comes to you and asks you for help and reaches out to you and you tell him I can't help you? How could you do something like that? Okay, so the Rebbe Hashem listened. He says, okay, send him back in again. He comes in again. The Rebbe talked to him and he went out. He's happy now. So the Rebbe explains. He says, but wait a minute. So the Rebbe Rashab needed his brother to tell him that you have to treat the other person nicely. He didn't know by himself. So now that he tells him, Nah, the Rebbe explains, very interesting. He says, when the guy came in, he was so full of himself, he was so arrogant, even though he came in and he said, ah, oh, help me, help me, I need help. But the Rebbe couldn't help him because he saw there was such a shell, there was this thick layer there. He needed to break through the shell. When he told him, I can't help you, that touched him. That caused him to sort of really break through so now that he can really seek help. And once he can seek help, the Rebbe can help him after he seeks help. So it wasn't, that was part of the process in order to get the person to be able to help. It seems like, uh, I don't know what time it is? Oh, you need to leave. All right, I'm going to be done in two minutes, two, three minutes. Okay, good. So here, the, this is what I'm suggesting, that perhaps this is also the story we hear. These Nochrim, they came, they needed to prepare themselves even to accept what Hillel says. Hillel knew that they were sincere only after they've gone through this process of first meeting up with Shammai and Shammai kicking them out. And when they came, they told them, now they were already sincere. Maybe if they came first to Hillel, uh, Hillel couldn't accept them because it was halachically questionable whether you can accept them because if you want to convert for ulterior motives, that's not a good conversion. So he couldn't really convert them. He only had once Shammai took... So, like you said, good cop, bad cop, you know? You need the, the, they're working for the same thing. Yeah. And I think what the message of the Torah is, you know, all of the emotions and all of these precautions are not standalones. It's a combination. In, whole, in Kedusha, there has to be both. It has to be Chesed and Gevura, and you have to sort of combine them all in a beautiful way to make the Teferis, to make it a beautiful combination, a beautiful mixture between Shammai and between Hillel. But although, in most cases, Shammai will be stringent and Hillel will be uh, lenient, he comes from Chesed, he comes from Gevura, but yet they're both all intertwined and interaction, and they both together bring out the beautiful one who is through them. So even though, as you see at the end, he came back to Shammai, what, what the hill, at the end, the last story, the Gemara, he came back to Shammai and he says, am I then fit to be a, a Kohen Gadol? I mean, the so what was he saying over there? So I'm thinking perhaps he was saying to him is, um, you know, uh, you didn't, you didn't, Tell it to me. Now I know, I understand that in order to get him to feel, to understand that I'm not fit to be a Kohen Gadol, he had to first kick him out. <laughs> then he come back. Why is he coming back? He said, yeah, you know what? I am realizing, you know, I've it. grown. I get it. Now I get it. And now I'm at the level. And, uh, but that's, that's important. At least in either way, the, 
Mekabel, at least in the beginning, it has to be Besever Ponim Yofos. And then we have to get down to business, and that's why he says, you know, say a little and do a lot, you know, I mean, just, you know, don't, uh, don't remain with the, uh, with the spiel, you know, you gotta, gotta get down to it, and, you know, and, uh, and, and study Torah diligently, and, uh, Hope that Hashem will bless all of us and everybody of us. You want to tie happiness. it in with your daughter, right? No, I'm saying, I'm saying that's right, yeah. That's why I tied it in. So, like I said before, this was the Mechabel is called Ahodem B'Sever Ponim Yofis, which is a specific good uh, characteristic. And um, I told my I told her, listen, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you feel bad for yourself, you know, and, you know, when, we don't want no miracles. We don't, <laughs> we'd rather be, we want a miracle, but, you know, we'd rather uh, not get sick yeah, than right. get sick and healed. We'd rather right, right, not. Right, right, right. No more miracles. So I said, I said, <laughs> I, I said to her, look, I told her, now, so, you know, you, you can get, you know, a lot of people get depressed. They get, you know, they, they feel bad. You know, it's, 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 it's a very difficult experience. But I said, if you are going to choose to focus on what happened to you, A, you're not going to know the answer. <laughs> and B, it's not going to serve you any purpose. What are you going to do? You're just going to feel bad and it's going to bring you down. I said, focus on the good part. Focus on Hashem. Made for you a great miracle. You're healthy, Baruch Hashem. You're there for your kids. And I, like I said, my most my prayers were, you know, everybody else is one thing, but you know, children need a mother. You know, children need a mother. Need how did you go through those two days of not knowing? How could you? She says that she knows some things. You know, now she's what, starting what? to say that maybe, no, she's. Did she have a near-death experience? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 